You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424. 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV Scandal After Show. Hello, gladiators. Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another exciting after show for Scandal. This is episode five. All roads lead to fix. As always, I'm your host, Emil Inish Jr., and I'm joined here with my wonderful co-host. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hey, everyone. It's Sophia Stanley. And I am Bam Erickson. And as always, we're very excited to be here and talk about this amazing episode. It's always great. But first, we want to start with Scandal Pace. So, Sophia, if you want to lead us into that. Um, well, the blogosphere has been going wild over whether or not the baby, America's baby, is actually fit belongs to Fitz, or if uh, there's some other scandalous tale, so what do we think about that? Is is the America baby, Melly's baby, is Fitz the father? I mean, I would say yes. I don't really understand. Maybe before tonight's episode, I was thinking there could have been something going on there, but now I think it could be his baby. I mean, the only really suspect thing is the whole thing from episode six, the trail last um, season, where we had the, um, who is it, the guy that Apparently, she's having an affair with. Yeah, um, that's the only thing I could see something coming up from that. But I totally, I totally think it's, um, I totally think Fitz is a father because Melly, she's smart enough to make sure she wants to make sure that her her legacy is is there. And so, by any, I think the question is how did how was the baby conceived? That would be more of a, an issue for me. Is did they? I'm trying to be. Uh, I'm trying to not be so uh, um, vulgar. But how did they have it? Was it through? Did they do it the old-fashioned yes. way, or did they <laughs> use technology? Yes, that would be my question because there, for me, there's no doubt that that he would be the father because she would make sure that you finna have my baby. Yeah, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I may not necessarily believe it, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm gonna say that it's not fit this baby because everybody makes mistakes, even the most calculated person. Even the most like the sh- most strategic person you know, they always slip up, and it's always in an area that they probably should have been the most careful in. So I'm going to say it's probably not Fitz's baby, just to be on the, the flip side. Hmm. Okay, oh. our second quick scandal pace question is, is Cocaine Girl an addict, or is she somehow some kind of assassin like Huck? I don't know if she's necessarily an assassin, but I said this last week. Something is definitely up with her as to why she has this natural attraction to him beyond his uh, whole demeanor. I feel like it's something else there. And then I guess we'll talk about this in tonight's episode. But there was something else in tonight's episode that kind of had me question again whether or not she is really into cocaine or not. I say bring it up now. If okay. We have like 30 more seconds. Well, in tonight's episode, um, when they went on their date and they were in the car, 
Huck was doing this whole thing where he was saying, you know, what he liked to do, how he was, I guess, spy on people. <laughs> and it was kind of cute to see that. But when he asked her, you know, what do you like to do? Instead of telling him something, she went in for a kiss. Granted, she could be a slim, be like, okay, I like to have sex. But I saw it as not opening up and saying exactly what you like to do because you have something to hide. As well as the fact that the fact that she somehow seemed in no way weirded out by the fact that not only was he spying on a one-off, right. he knew everything about these people's lives. Like, that's what he gets off on. That somehow doesn't match up with addiction. That matches up with something completely different, and she didn't seem to be surprised or unnerved. Well, I think she's totally just as tick-tick-boom as he is, and so <laughs> I think she's just as crazy as um, he is, and so she there's something wrong with her, and there's she has issues, but I don't think that I don't think cocaine is is her issue. I think it's something else. Yeah, she might be uh, she might be planted there to specifically see or find out what Huck is actually up to, and it could relate back to Olivia. Oh, and that scandal, scandal pace. pace. Wow, I like that one though. That was a good one. Okay, <laughs> conspiracy theory going on. Um, so let's talk about first the main story in this episode, which was Joan and the governor, and. Have we known this before, that the governor was the one who ran against the president? No. So we discovered that this is the governor who ran against um, Fitz, and he lost by 4,359 votes, which obviously is going to play into part later. Um, but we opened up with a body on the floor, and apparently it was a rapist. And then we find out that the governor killed this rapist because when he walked in, the rapist was on top of his wife, and she, she yelled rape. And I use rapist in the loose term because we find out that he wasn't a rapist. But... Um, she yells rape, and then he immediately shoots two bullets into him, and he's dead now. Um, and this, this, I really, you know, this storyline kept me interested, because I, I hate when we have the storylines where it's like we're kind of interested, but it kind of draws away from the main focus. But I feel like this storyline really kept my interest throughout, and it was just the way, even we were watching it, how... When we thought one thing was solid, you were like, oh, something doesn't seem right there. I love when we have that little spark there where it keeps us going throughout the whole episode. Um, but this, this, I wasn't expecting what happened, though. I don't know if you guys were, but I wasn't expecting what happened. No, I wasn't expecting it either. From the beginning, well, watching from a, a TV knowing scandal, you know, point of view, I knew it wasn't what it seemed. Yeah. But taking that, you know, taking that aspect out of it, you would assume, okay, you know, he shot her. She was getting raped. You know, what's the big deal? Of course, they have to explain it, do all the investigating. But because Olivia was called there, and we learned this first season, she was called there for a reason. So that reason is bigger than what we're, you know, what we see or what we assume. But, I mean... I mean, I guess there are the signs, though, because why did he have a gun that was purchased within the last week? Worried about the angry phone calls and stuff. But he had the responses ready to go, which obviously a murderer would be prepared to have those responses, though. And I mean, I think also not just a murderer. I think he presumably was, again, just over 4,000 votes shy of being the president of the United States of America. So he's a very intelligent, savvy, sophisticated individual. That's the first thing. And the second thing is... Obviously, he doesn't like Olivia, and he doesn't like her because he literally blames Olivia for the reason that he lost the election. I think Li Olivia should always be wary when she's dealing with an enemy, and she's not. So she took him at face value when she kind of shouldn't have. So she was thinking, okay, you know, I'm a fixer. Of course he's going to come and, and, you know, seek my help. But no, really, he played her because he knew how she re would react, and, she, and he basically let everything unfold exactly as he wanted it to and at the end had to tell her 
because he had to basically be like, I got you. Yeah. Like, I won. You helped me. Thanks. We're even. Yeah. And she should have been on her game. You would have thought that it would have, you know, sprung her into motion when his aide did what she told her not to do. Because the aide isn't going to go behind his back. He probably knew exactly what the mm-hmm. aide was planning to do. And he was like, okay, do it because we really don't fool with her. She's here to help. But mm, we might, we, we probably can handle this on our own. So that alone should have put her into attack mode, but it didn't. But also, this takes time, which is why she has her team. This takes time and. She kept her cool, and slowly but surely, she got the information, and she confronted him, and she said what she had to say about it. But something like this, she was not going to find out that the governor in this whole story was a lie. It just, it takes you what. This is my only thing is from the minute from the minute that they said it's a contractor that was there for two years, mm-hmm. right? Let's really think about this. So someone has been in your house for two years, right? And at night. Not during the day, right? But at a time potentially when someone could come home, right? Because he had come home, he had basically gotten off of work, went to a bar, and came back. So presumably it's night. At a time period when he should be coming home. Is this person who works in your house going to take that opportunity to, to conduct that type of a heinous act? So even that seemed a little suspect. And even he should, granted, yes, if in the moment that was legitimately happening, you would react a certain kind of a way. But he's an intelligent man. So even some of his responses, well, she was like, what do you what do you mean? Of course she should have showered. Of course I had a drink. For a man of his stature, that's somehow when your brain needs to click on and be pragmatic. And he wasn't doing that. Just a tiny little bit of Liv's hair should have gone up just a tiny, tiny little bit. I think she did everything exactly as she should have. But there is that little bit that I think, again, whenever you're dealing with your enemy, you should have a have a little bit of a different guard on. And I think she didn't approach him like an enemy. She approached him like a client, which is, I think, what she does. But I think it's starting to affect her a little bit. Do you, do you think that if she would have approached him in a different ma- a manner that maybe his being that they're already enemies and that he doesn't like her. Do you think that he would have maybe responded differently if she would have come at him in more an aggressive way? Do you think he would have? I think so. And think about it. In previous episodes, that's actually how Liv comes at her clients. Liv comes at her clients very aggressively. Why? Because it unnerves them. And when people are unnerved, they tell the truth. She actually treated him slightly with a set of kid gloves, right? Because in her mind, and I think it's part of the fact that Liv feels like she's carrying the weight of the world. So even when the wife is basically going through the diatribe of, he's not the man that ran for for president. You know, if I could do anything for him, I would get those 4,000 votes back. It changed him. He used to have hope. You could see the way that Liv was standing in the doorway. Liv was taking that on. Liv needs to let go and realize everyone in all of these situations, they're all adults, and all of the adults in the situations made their choices. Simply because she's a fixer does not make it her fault and does not make it her problem. And I think that's why she treated him with kid gloves, because I think she somehow feels responsible, and we find out later on in the episode that she actually, in fact, cost him the election and now it makes sense why she she dealt with him with a set of kid gloves she should have come at him a lot harder there's no way for two years that man did not know that his wife was having an affair but my yeah. thing is if knowing now that she was the reason why he lost the election and all this this backstory why did she even take him on as a client because her think- judgment was going to be clouded from the beginning 
under that pretense, knowing that she was the reason why he lost the election, she was going to treat him differently than normally she would uh, another client because she's like, okay, I know I feel slightly guilty. He's probably still hates me because I did this. So in the back of her mind, she can't fully concentrate because she's still thinking about the election from two years ago. Or maybe she was trying to, she took him on as a client to make it up to him. So she was trying to, as you know, yeah. like, I know I did you dirty. I did you dirtier than you know I did you dirty. And you know, she has a way of never being able to apologize and say she's sorry. This is her way of saying, you know what, I'm sorry, my bad, because she never can come out and say it. It's the same thing yeah. with David. You know, she, um, when, um, when she went to uh, ask if he wanted to, if, if he wanted uh, a, um, a back escort, that was kind of her way of trying to be apologetic without saying, I'm sorry for what I did. That's yeah. just kind of how she works. And, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Her doing this favor, the way she approached them, you know, you... You can be someone's enemy and still act like everything is okay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think she is good at doing that, but she the lines get blurred. Olivia, her lines are starting to get blurred because she is, like like you guys said, she's taking on clients that she has too much personal backstory with. And when you do that, you have to take the blinders off and you have to look at it in a different way. Yeah. And and I and I actually really liked that this story moved the overall story forward. I think we're starting to get to know Liv better. So even the fact that it opens with her on the phone and she's obviously talking to her ex and that kind of dichotomy between like she seemed like she was starting to warm up and even just the fact that, you know, Harrison was like, "Oh, well he's going to call back." <laughs> and Abby's like, "Why?" And he's like, "Cuz he he has game." And the phone rings and you can tell that she's happy and as she turns a corner and they're all looking at her like little kids like, "Oh, yay." You know, she's kind of a little happy. She's looking at them like, "What?" now back to work um and then we obviously find out you know that there obviously was a presidential candidate because at this time we only knew the vice president Mm -hmm. um and then you know i think that it just shows that Liv has been a power player for a long time and i think that we're going to come to find out obviously that just like the title says all roads lead to fits it really does but before we go to the next topic guys Let's talk about iTunes. Um, (laughs) You know, each week we ask you guys to go to iTunes, rate, comment, subscribe, share. And once again, we are just blown away, overwhelmed, over 116 um, ratings on iTunes. We're still at five stars. You guys are freaking amazing, leaving comments and subscribing and, you know, telling everybody, spreading the word about the after show. And we have some other exciting um, news for you guys later. But we just want to thank you so much and continue to um, to comment, rate, um, share with other people, other glad who might be fans of the show but don't know about our podcast. We just really, really appreciate it. Same goes to all of our uh, Twitter and YouTube fans. We really appreciate you guys. Over 166 comments on YouTube. Let's not downplay that, guys. That's a lot of Gladiator conversation. So um, we really do appreciate it. So make sure you continue to spread the news about the scandal after show and after buzz. And we, uh, we just want really to thank you guys. And also the podcast app. If you haven't heard us talk about it before, there's an app on iTunes that you can download in, in the app store. Um, it's called the podcast app. And what it will do is put all your podcasts from AfterBuzz or whatever other podcast you listen to into this one neat little app. And each time a new podcast comes out, so like ours will come out tomorrow morning, it will be right there waiting for you. So you can listen to it on your way to work, in the shower. Can you listen to it in the shower? Some people can. (laughs) Wherever you want to listen to the podcast, wherever you do, uh, you can can do that. So uh, thank you guys again so much. And back to Scandal. (laughs) So let's talk, oh, Cyrus and James. 
So, you know, James has had this whole issue with the with he wanting the baby and stuff, and they had the big argument. And then I thought they were over it, but obviously not, because uh-uh. he is unhappy at home because he feels like, you know, Cyrus gets to do what he wants to do, and Cyrus has his power. And James, we have to remember, James was a power player. James was a freaking White House correspondent. Like, he wasn't just some nobody journalist. Like, he was actually a, a big journalist. So um, he feels neglected and unwanted because Cyrus isn't giving him what he wants. He's just stuck at home. And we see that he returns to the White House, which is a big blow to Cyrus. A big blow. He's I see why I see why he and Melly get along. Do you see the correlation between the two, between James and Melly? Yeah. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting is when they refer to each other as honey or sweetie at work. I was like, would that really go on in the, the White House? It yeah. definitely it definitely would. Because I mean I think it's the the funny thing is especially in a town like Washington, D.C., it's not a nine-to-five job. You work literally at work a minimum of 12 hours, right? If you're at work a minimum of 12 hours, and then even after work, you're still socializing. It is it is a job where you are on 24-7. Where other than work are you going to meet your significant other? That's number one. Number two... It's no secret that they're together. They're 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 married. Mm-hmm. So I think you don't have to have that pretense that you're not actually a couple. And I think more importantly, the line has just been drawn. Up until this point, he was simply a former journalist. So when he would have been at the White House, it would be as his husband. So it would be normal for him to refer to him as honey or sweetie. So I think just like Liv says, you know, separate the two. And he's like, how's that working for you? They haven't switched over yet, and so that's why there's that tension even, you know, during the actual press conference. You're seeing a lover's spat. Like, that's what that tension is, because James is trying to reclaim his stake because, as we saw in previous episodes, Cyrus doesn't respect him. It's not just the matter of the baby, the big, fat, juicy baby. Cyrus was basically like, well, you didn't give up your career because you didn't have a career. Yeah. And I think that's when James has to reassert himself as an individual and say, okay, I'm going to show you. Not only do I have a career, I'm your equal, and that's how you'll deal with me. But was he out of line for what he did at the at the conference? Well, I don't think... Take a step back. He was out of line for not even telling Cyrus that he was going to be there the next day. Like, they went to bed that night, woke up. He knew he was going to be there. He knew. He laid his suit out. He knew that he was going to show up to Cyrus's job. Right. You know they had pillow talking. Right. They were pillow talking. And he didn't even mention it. So... That alone was shady. I get why he did it because, of course, then it would have been a blowout at home. And just to stick that little thorn in his side, you know, in Cyrus's side to say, remember, I'm a journalist. Remember me? Hey, I can come back whenever I want to. I see why he did it. But that led to the tension in the in the press room. So, I don't, you know, it. both of them were justified in their actions. But it should have taken a step back, and they should have talked about it before it even right. happened. I understand. I, I get why James did what he had to do. He had to make his point across because he's being ignored. I get that. But f- the way they were just going, just just um, they were catfighting yeah. in the middle of a press conference, and I felt that James was acting like a baby. And I disagree. Uh, look, why? actually, I, I, I agree and disagree. Okay. I agree on one level, but on another level, that actually is what 
journalism is, especially when you're dealing with the White House. Like, it is, it's like a sparring match, and that's what they were doing. So the, technically, you can argue that Cyrus was wrong for calling on him to begin with. If Cyrus was uncomfortable, he should have, he's the newbie, right? James is the newbie. I don't care what kind of relationship you have. Go with your other reporters and kind of dead him at first, right? But he specifically called on him, right? Then when he asked his question and he dismissed him, the way, the quickness was in which he went to Carol, that was his way of saying, like, I'm gonna call on you and show you that you're irrelevant, yeah. right? So, James being the reporter that he is, and again, think about it, reporting is all about finding the truth, digging, you're not gonna let take no for an answer, that's what he did. It was actually the back and forth, which was, on some level, Cyrus is kind of a asshole. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's, But that's what he was, and that's who Cyrus is. Or let me rephrase it, he's a pit bull. So Cyrus gave him pit bull, and James then had to give it back to him. It just from our perspective, because we know the underlying emotions and the dichotomy, we're going to view it differently. But on some levels, that's kind of what you have to do in the war room. Like, that's why it's called a war room. You know, so I actually don't necessarily think that James was being a baby. I think that if he wants to get back into the White House, he has to assert his claim and he needs to show Cyrus he's not the only pit bull in town. Especially since, like you said, Cyrus has no respect for him. So he has to show that, you know, like you said, I, I'm not the only pit bull or you're not the only pit bull in town. And then it goes back to, like you're saying, I don't think he's out of line because sitting there, if you if you. If you think about it from his perspective, he is trying to say, okay, you're not giving me what I want and you're not giving me disrespect either. So let's take this whole lovey-dovey out of our relationship and we're just going to have a business relationship here. So you're not treating me as a normal journalist. Yes, I'm in your mind you're trying to treat me like a baby journalist, but I'm a respected journalist. And then you're treating me as if I'm a nobody in this room. I'm not going to let you embarrass me in front of my colleagues and peers as if I'm nobody. So he was kind of standing up for himself and saying, you know, you can play this little game right now. But I'm going to let you know if you do this from now on, it's going to keep being this back and forth between us. But I think in the end, Cyrus will win. And so I just think that it was inappropriate at that time because Cyrus has the upper hand in that particular situation. Cyrus has the upper hand. So I just think that he should have played his cards better. He'll probably win. Cyrus plays dirty (laughs) in every aspect of his life, his career. So he'll win on the surface because he'll probably know how to, you know, just be shady about it and shut and shut him up. But on principle, he won't win. Yeah. And at home, in the, in the in the house, he won't win. Because it's not seems, in the house, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cyrus seems to take on the role of the man, and, you know, his partner seems to take over the role of the woman. If mama ain't happy, nobody's <laughs> happy. And he is making him very unhappy. True, but I'm going to take a slightly different spin on that, because I think that, and then we'll we'll jump back to, um, to the dichotomy between James and Melly in a second, but I think he actually made it very clear regardless of anything, we're equals. Because he basically said when Cyrus was like, okay, cool, like if I give you a baby, are you going to drop this? He was like, no, not if you're simply doing it to appease me and have me be barefoot and pregnant. pregnant. Because I think he, no, but I think he literally thought of themselves as equals. And I think that he chose to stay at home in order to take care of his husband because he thought that they had mutual respect for one another. The minute that was no longer in play, he was like, okay, cool, then I have to come at you as an equal from another angle. angle. And again, don't forget, he was the one who broke the story about the potential Melly um, affair to begin with. So he, I don't care if he's a baby lawyer, I don't care like Cyrus said that you didn't go to an Ivy League school, James is not to be played with. And even though I don't think that James knows the extent to which Cyrus will go to win. I think we have not seen the last of James, and I think that 
Cyrus has underestimated James, and I think it's going to come to fruition. Definitely. Before we move on, uh, speaking of relationships, I have a comment about Olivia and, S- and Senator Davis because I know we're not just that's not a big issue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When they were on the phone, mm-hmm. or actually when Senator da- Davis came over to the house, you know, he says, "Well, you know." What's up? You know, do I keep calling? And Olivia said, I want you to keep asking, but I'm not ready. That pissed me off. Oh. Why did it piss you off? That (laughs) that pissed me off because, again, you want him to keep calling and keep coming after you and keep asking and keep asking, but you're not ready. Like, that's just, from a guy's standpoint, that just annoys the hell out of me when a woman is like, no, yeah, you can keep calling, you can keep calling, but no, I'm not ready. Like, who do you but, think you are? Oh. But you got to look at it from a different perspective. She just got out of a very difficult situation. I get one, it. Right? So, every woman, regardless of who you've been with, we like attention and we like to feel wanted, even at the point where we're not wanted by the man who we want. So, because the man she wants does shot her down at the restaurant, he doesn't really, he's not fooling with her anymore. That's what... She just, it, it's just something about feeling like you're needed from by someone the, when you're so not needed by the man you that you want. It it for as a man, I hear what you're saying, you don't like it, but sometimes you just need to feel like you're needed. I think though the issue is what you just not with what you said, but with Olivia is you said she's not getting what she wants from the man that she's into. So how long is this gonna go on for where she's trying to get these feelings from this man that she used to be with and how long is she gonna string him on? Because I wouldn't no want to be telling. Thank no you. Telling. Oh my God. <laughs> I am I the only like mushy one I completely disagree I feel like that was one of the only 30 second moments when Olivia Pope was the most honest she has ever been without a filter and without anything she told the man exactly as she felt and exactly what she felt is I'm piggybacking on Cornelia but if you think about her words Olivia always has to be pragmatic Olivia always has to think about what she says and especially when it pertains to her emotions not related to a case she has to be guarded. This was the first time that she basically honestly said, I want you to keep asking. Do you know what I mean? And it's not just that she's stringing them along. They almost got married. Yeah. And as we're going to find out, all roads lead to Fitz. It's possible that the reason they did not get married is because of Fitz. Mm. So it was, it was obviously possible that she was close to having a love with a man that to a certain extent could have been whole until she realized there was something else. That's the worst feeling in the world to know that at one time you were happy, but now that you're you found more happiness that you can't have, mm. that you actually can never go back. And she knows that. And that's why even she said the previous episode, it's not going to be okay. But I think she's trying to heal herself. And I think with the pure honesty of who she is, she said, I want you to keep asking. And when I'm ready, I'll tell you. And that means that even if she says no, she will say no. And if she says yes, she will say yes. I feel like that's the most honest she's well, you been. You put it that way. It feels Senator, so sad for her now. I don't. <laughs> Senator, Senator Davis, if you're, if you're listening to me, stop asking. Leave her alone. Okay. Okay. Well, before we move on, before we move on, think about it this way, though. Not you giving me that perspective. <laughs> if they were almost to the point of getting married, maybe he wants to be led on because there's a hope that they can be back to where they used to be. And he knows that he has an even greater chance because this guy that she left him for, potentially, this guy that she she left him for broke her heart and now they can't be together. Hey, I'm still here. Okay, you want me to call? Okay, I'll keep calling. Ooh, ooh can we go on a date now? Okay, cool. Ooh, and just keep going until one day. And, and the senator doesn't seem to know the extent to Olivia's relationship mm-hmm. with Fitz. Like he, and so with that being said, 
Olivia probably told him anything about why they broke up. You know, she said earlier, you didn't have time for me. That could be what the senator is thinking. In his mind, he's like, I got time for you now. I'm calling every day. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, Olivia is on a whole different wavelength. So he's going to keep trying because what he thinks ruined the relationship, he probably could fix that. And it's not the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So what who cares? <laughs> You're mad. Oh, oh my goodness. But let's let's just go back real quick because I think it ties in very nicely to the interaction <laughs> with Melly and, and Cyrus. But you know, James basically is like, okay, I'm gonna finagle my way in. I'm gonna use every tactic. He talks to Melly. He obviously knows Melly's a power player and loves, you know, loves to feel like she's important. But I think more importantly, when Cyrus basically, you know, sees them, Cyrus has an interchange with James, but more importantly, Cyrus and Melly have a conversation, and this is the first time that we've seen them after the table scene from last episode. And I think the cool thing was, at first I was expecting him to pull uh, James to the side, but he confronted Melly, like, you know your place. You're not supposed to be doing what you're doing. Like, I thought he was going to say to James, you know. I thought so, too. Weren't you getting that vibe at first? But he kind of just ignored James and went straight to Melly and said, hey, I need you to step over here because we've talked about this before and you're out of line. But I think that's great because... Cyrus didn't really need to have that conversation um, with with James at that particular moment. And the bigger issue was the fact that Fitz was away in Tokyo and he he needed to check her because he because being that they just had this this fallout in the conference room he doesn't really know what James's motives is and what he's going to do if he's going to ask questions he's going to do he he's probably thinking he's going to do anything to you know get yeah. himself back at the at the at the top of of, of being a journalist he needs a top story so yeah. he needed to grab he needed to grab Melly put her in check and don't you talk to him and you the focus is that the president is in uh, is in Tokyo so I thought it was very appropriate for. Uh, for Cyrus to do what he did. I just like his monologue. It was one line where he said, even if your water breaks, like, cross your legs or something. I was like, dear God, like, the focus is not on you. It's all roads lead to fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is where we first got into the the big scandal where she basically said that she is going to deny everything of whatever the story was comes out. She said, deny, 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 deny. Well, I mean, and it's funny to see her in this place because we see Melly as this big, powerful figure, this this uh, strategist who really knows and meticulous who knows how to, like, go over everybody and go around everybody and weave her way into. But you have to remember, look who she's at the table with. Home- <laughs> Melly, you at the bottom, homegirl. That's true. I disagree. She's at the bottom on paper, but strategically and what she's willing to do. He said when he was walking with Melly, you would gnaw your own foot off mm-hmm. if it meant something. Melly, on paper, again, she's just the first lady, but Melly knows how to, you know, place herself in a position where she could be untouchable and she will throw you under the bus if need be. Melly has no remorse or she has no, like, she just doesn't she seems to not care about anybody except herself and when you have that feeling you'll do anything and not only that because I think that we minimize Melly way too much first of all even if she was number five on that table that arguably is the most powerful table in the entire United States of America so being number five in that table is not a small feat number one number two the fact that she even had a seat at the table we keep saying things like oh she's only the first lady she obviously was necessary to be at the table to begin with because we're gonna have to find out why she had to be there because because it seems like Fitz doesn't know so why did she need to know I meant that in the sense of her being on the on the on the low I mean you're right that's a very powerful table (laughs) I'm just saying as far as I'm saying as far as her Melly and Cyrus, 
I'm but t- you know what, arguably, and this is the funny thing is, and I think this is why Melly is slick. And I think Cyrus is slick in his own way, but Cyrus is called a pit bull. Why? Because you see his coming. You see him coming. That's his job. Melly is scary because you don't. Because of her fluffed up hair, because of her cute little clothes, because of her pearls, because she's pregnant, you assume that she has ruffles. Just like how Hollis was like, oh, look who got ruffles since going to the White House. Yeah. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. That means he's like, no, you a cold snake. Yeah. I don't know why now you're pretending like I don't want to be seen here or whatever. He basically is like, I know you, right? And that's why you're at this table. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, that's scarier because she's still the first lady. So when it comes down to it, if anyone needs to take the fall, it's going to be Cyrus. And see, the no, thing- like seriously, like and I mean, granted, I'm going to take that back in two seconds when we read his line because his <laughs> line, literally, I'm unnerved. But technically, you're never you. She, so the reason she says deny, deny, deny. Who's going to believe you? No one's going to believe that the first, first lady, lady had a seat at the table. That is very Everyone's going to believe that it was the chief of staff and she's that pregnant. set this up. Yeah. And she's pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, and, and I think that's why she came for him. She came for him like, okay, go ahead. Like, I'm going to deny, deny, deny. Like, I run stuff. And basically he was like, what did he say? He, go, he goes, you may be an animal, but I am a monster. monster. Do you know what I mean? And I will destroy, like, he, like, because basically he's saying, I will do anything to win. And he goes, the line was, so Melly, don't ever speak the word defiance in my presence again. <laughs> and then he walks away and he turns back and he goes, okay, cool. I'll, I'll call my assistant and have them set up the lunch. It will be great. Okay, perfect. Like the ease with which he basically did Melly. Yeah. Like he did Melly to Melly yeah. and was like, don't ever play me again because I will destroy you. No, I'm, I'm still unnerved. Yeah. Like, And I think the thing about that scene too is she was off her game a little bit because like you said, she underestimated Cyrus, but she's so focused on her political career. And that's why she was saying, you know, I'm going to deny, 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 because if this happens, obviously I have no chance of getting where I'm trying to go. So she was so focused on that that she completely, completely counted out Cyrus. And she, because even the way she was interacting with him, no, 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 no. This is Cyrus. You do not say some of the things she was saying to him, especially not in the tone she was saying, like, you can do that with Fitz. But you never, you never do that with Cyrus. You right. never do that with Cyrus. She got comfortable. You know, after a while, if you're used to talking to people a certain way, you get comfortable with it. And it takes that one moment for somebody to put you back on, you know, on your game. And at that moment, after this, after that speech from Cyrus, Melly is going to go back into her original pit bull mode. That put her back to where she needed to be. Because when he told her, yeah, you can deny it, but by the time it comes out, you're already you're already ruined anyway, so it doesn't matter. That when he told her that, then she she had that look in her face like, oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. I got to think of a new game plan. And I think also too, I think it's that partly Cyrus's world is not crumbling, but he potentially sees it crumbling. His whole life is about Fitz being president, right? So the fact that they even have to go back to the table is scary to him, right? The fact that he basically has given up potentially his relationship for this thing that may not occur, right? And now he potentially may have to take down his husband in order to keep Fitz in power. Mm-hmm. Like, it's too much where he's literally, and then even that's, I think, why he said, he goes, you don't even know the depth that I have gone to keep this in play, right? Because he basically is like, I'm, I'm better than all of you, and you don't even know. Like, you think you know because you think you are at the table with me. But I've obviously gone above and beyond because we also know he's a murderer. Like, he may not he have killed her with her own ha- his own hands, but he killed Amanda Tanner. Now, 
you, you said something important there. That brings us to another question. How much does his husband know? I think his husband knows absolutely nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't yeah, think so. I don't think so either. Because James is James is very, you know, he's very principle based. He seems to, you know, he likes he knows the difference between right and wrong. He, this is what he wants. This is about family, career. Like he has that family, that's that family value thing about him. And Cyrus doesn't operate that way at work. How he operates at home, I don't know. But at work, that's not Cyrus at but- all. I see, I see, um, I see James and Melly together, and it, I, I see the two of them together. That's what's scary because if he doesn't know about the murder, and somehow along the line, Melly and James team up, and that can be the top story. Because if, if their relationship is beyond repair, I don't think it is. But if it comes to that point where the relationship is beyond repair, and he doesn't care what he does to Cyrus. That's a top story right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And the question is, do you see James and Melly pairing with James pairing with Melly for the sake of his journalism career and to prove himself as a professional and Melly pairing up with James to be spiteful mm. and shady to Cyrus? Yeah. They have two different, Mo- you know, two mo- different yeah. motives. motives. I agree with you. The only difference is I think that Melly would do it for her platform. Not to get back at Cyrus. Her only revenge is to potentially be the president of the United States of America. So it's not spite per se. It's if it if it's in alignment with her end goal, which is being president of the United States. And of to America. also ensure that being that this can possibly hit the fan, to ensure that she has nothing to do with it. Exactly. Really quickly, you remember when we did the top? We did the top four um, villains. villains. Yeah. And someone, um, someone on YouTube, you know, said that they disagree with our order. Yeah, yeah. Something about how Cyrus shouldn't have been number one and Melly should be bumped up. Yeah. I think after the conversation between Cyrus and Melly, I think that proves why Cyrus is number one. Funny thing is, I never read that. I think everyone <laughs> agrees Cyrus is number one. <laughs> I think it's it's where Melly falls. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had her, like, on YouTube, three you can you yeah. can literally YouTube me. Cyrus is. <laughs> the <Number> baddest. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what about our new lovebirds, Dave and Abby? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Dave, um, and we, this is going to lead into the the big discussion. But we have David, who is so focused on this whole t- Cytron thing, and you know what's going on with Hollis and all this stuff, and he doesn't know have any like he can't figure out what's going on with his clues. He's still trying to figure this out, and you know he's have Abby, who's. I was about to say a bad term. Abby, who's stuck on it, she's stuck on on him, um, and she can't really get her mind right because we don't know if she is on Olivia's side, if she is on David's side, if she's on the fence, which right now, before I go into it later, she's on the fence. But um, So obviously David is trying to figure out what's going on, and he gets a lead from one of the ex-Citron employees or whatever, and he goes and talks to him at the Grill Cafe, and then basically there's not any information that can really help him. And he takes his job back because his job was offered back to him. And But I thought I thought that was a, I thought that was a great fix. Because at that table, obviously you saw the power play. That that Hollis dangled something in front of them mm-hmm. that they could not walk away from, which is never a good thing. And he basically has them. Like, he, he, he's controlling them. And he basically is saying, either solve this situation your way, or basically I'm going to kill David. Like, it was obviously, un, like, in no uncertain terms, mm-hmm. because obviously he's killed before to get what he wants. Um, and so I think the fact of offering back David his job in exchange for letting go of the conspiracy, I think it was a good temporary fix. Now, you notice Cyrus kept giving Olivia the glare. 
during that whole scene and to the point where Olivia finally said, you know, I'll fix it, which is I kind of hate to see her. I feel like Cyrus does to her what she does to Huck. Does that make sense? Ooh. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Cyrus does to her what she does to Huck because Cyrus, I feel like, just like we saw after Cyrus is her friend, they're getting closer again. Olivia's Huck's friend, but they still use each other or one uses the other more than the other for what they need and the ultimate goal. But I'm going to defend Cyrus because in this in this instance, who else could fix this except for Olivia? That's true. That's true. And arguably, your analogy is spot on because Cyrus is her mentor. <laughs> and Cyrus obviously either did one of two things. Either saved Olivia from something or helped to give her her identity. Like Cyrus is the one who taught her. That's why he brought her in. Do you know what I mean? And that's why even there were moments when even he, during especially last season, was a little bit taken aback because it was literally like, oh, the student's surpassing the master. Yeah. Right? And I think that they are genuinely friends. And not only are they genuinely friends, like, they were work husband and wife. Like, they have an intimate relationship. And I think that they are way more similar. And I think, just like you said, it it's both. I think he is using her because that's, I think, how they relate to human beings. But more importantly, yeah, who else is going to fix it other than Olivia? You don't want anyone else unless you want him dead. Yeah. Unless you want David dead, who else is going to fix it other than Olivia? Yeah. And none of them could have fixed it because David doesn't really know them like that. Like, who else is going to step in and do something? He has a relationship with Olivia. And, uh, he was initially chasing her down. So naturally, you know, like you said, she is the person who had to take care of it. I think I was... It's just amazing me every time she fixes it because I didn't know how she was going to do it. But the <laughs> she offered the job back. That didn't work. And to the point where she put this, which we find out later, she put a ploy in and it wasn't a real. Was he he was a real ex-employee or no? We don't even know. Don't I, don't know. Think it, I don't think it matters. The funny but thing is, I don't think it matters. It was matters. so smart. Like, but, I don't think it matters. but of course it's smart because Olivia and David are friends. Yeah. Again, she has very weird relationships with her friends. They're not just normal friends. You know, they call each other. Hey, what, let's hang out. They, she has a very interesting uh, relationships um, with the people that she knows. So Olivia knew that David was not going to take. Who would just, I mean, after all what he's been right. through, why would he just take that job? Like, he's not an idiot. So Olivia knew that he would not take that job and that he was still going to try to figure out what his purpose was. Now, a key point to notice or to mention is when he told Abby that he wasn't taking the job, he was meeting with somebody at the Griddle Cafe. Mm-hmm. We didn't see the connection. There, or, I mean, obviously he tells her everything, but that was just a, a quick a quick little mention. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we see that or I don't even, we want to mention that yet? Uh, no, no, no. I, all I want to mention, and I want to just mention two things first. I yeah. think it's also important because, it again, it shows that and I actually think that Abby's not on Team David or Team Olivia. I think she's on Team Abby. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Abby was like, well, like, what are you going to do for your future? Right. She's, that means she's self-interest. She's self-interested in him having a job. And that's why he was like, well, why do you care about what I do with the rest of my life? So I think that's really important. But I also think, and maybe not now, but let's just make sure that we don't miss the whole with, with the judge and Olivia. Yeah. But, but um, when she asks about his future, could it be that... She has feelings for him. No, that's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Okay, gotcha. But I, I think it's important, though, that, you know, Olivia had to go back to the judge and basically was like, pull some strings, get him his job back. But again, I think that 
Olivia and the judge, again, I think it's part of the purest. I think that's when we're seeing Olivia extremely pure and vulnerable because I think that she cares about the judge beyond the table. And more importantly, obviously, the judge, you know, fell sick. That's who she called. And I think that the putting the shoes on. Just thinking the that. intimacy. It was it was a different type of intimacy. But again, but I think what but what she said when she said because of Hollis, all of um we all got what we um we all got what we okay, wanted. Okay, I'm gonna oh, cut you yeah. off on purpose. What? But let's just for a second. Just stay with me for a split second. Okay. That shoe cycle is very important. Very. We had Fitz and Olivia with mm-hmm. the entire shoe scene in the shoe gate. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's a certain level of intimacy to put on someone's shoes. For Olivia the fixer of the free world to put on the shoes of this woman, that shows that there's a deeper connection, which, again, all roads lead to fits. But I just think we need to take a moment. Now go ahead with the, the hospital gown. Right. And so when um, when they were having the conversation, she, she said because of Hollis, you know, we all pretty much got what we wanted, except she wasn't sure about Olivia. That was a very defining moment because it was like mother to daughter. Yeah. You know, we all got what we wanted and I'm not sure about you. She's basically saying, you know, my baby, my child, you know, you're not you're not complete. And it was like she wanted to it was it was an embracing moment for me. Even now that I think about it, let's just say Fitz and Olivia did stick this out and tried to make this thing work. Did she not think what I'm not saying it's going to come out. But in the back of her mind, she had to have always wondered what happens if Fitz finds out that we rigged this election. I think I think this is this is the problem is I think she is so good. She basically up until now, she wasn't worried. She has never messed up. That's why she's Olivia Pope. Like, let's just go back season one. She's dealing with dictators. She's dealing with kidnapped babies from foreign countries, walking into people who literally would could kill you in an instant and doesn't even flinch. Like, we have to really put it into perspective. I think that where we come into play with this show, we see her as Livy. That's not who she is to the outside world. So I think that at the end of the day, she never thought this was possible. And technically, until the whole Amanda Tanner situation, it wasn't. Because that took her off her game in a way that... Think about it. If that had never happened and there was no Gideon and Quinn never got together with Gideon and she had never gone to David with Amanda, she messed up. If she had never put up David on to Amanda, she called him and was like, I need your help. Are you? She took it out of the inner circle. So that's why she has to now fix it. But without that misstep, it would be a non-issue. Like, no one would care. No one would have ever figured out that Quinn was Quinn. Yeah. Quinn would have gone about her business. She would have been a part of Pope and Associates. Or, more importantly, she would have been a lawyer at the firms that she potentially was. She would have possibly, in a couple of years, married some dude, had some kids, and lived her life. She would have never come on radar. Somehow, by bringing her into Pope and Associates, she actually broke her cover. Yeah. Well, let's talk about quickly with um, with David. What I did like to see was as soon as he got his job back, he went straight to Livy to try to <laughs> try to solve that. What was it? Uh, Heston? Reston. Reston. The Reston case. Um, and then uh, that's when we saw the whole, what you talked about earlier, the exchange between Olivia and the governor and how he was out to get her the whole time, essentially. And there's nothing she could do about that. Um but when he went home, Abby saw, because Abby saw on Huck's computer, 
that it said the Griddle Cafe. So mm-hmm. when he went home, Abby came running over to tell her boo thing what was going on. And then all of a sudden, that's when the last couple of minutes of the episode were just explosive because we realized that this whole 4,359, 4,359 had such a greater significance than just him losing the election. It was the fact that Cytron was a company that does more than just, um, what, what did they do? He said more, I think it was, was it gambling or gaming software? Yeah. For slots, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. For slots. And it, they used it for the polling and it was her, Quinn's boyfriend was the one who ran that particular software, created that software and that's how they rigged the election and I just, I definitely was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I'm still blown away. Not only was I not expecting it, Every time the wife mentioned it and every time the husband mentioned it, you I knew. wanted to say, no, I actually didn't. I wanted to be like, get over it. Yeah. Like, no, seriously. I was like, get over yourself. If you lost by 4,000, that meant you lost way beyond that because it should have never had to come down to that. You lost, get over it. That's how elections are. Like, I kept thinking he was a crybaby. I didn't. I must be off my game, but I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't, only because they kept throwing the number out there so many times. And plus, the murder, this this whole whole murder, it kept evolving. It went from from being rape, and then it went from, um, um, and then... She um, and then it was an affair. He didn't know about it. Then he knew about it. it. It just things just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. So I knew when they both kept saying that number over and over again, I was like, something has to be because you remember when we saw when she when she um, when uh, Joan said that she was going to, um, you know, say that, you know, um, when she was going to confess, when she went into the elevator and when she turned around and she gave that look to her husband, we all had yeah. this. Yeah, uh, I agree. We all had this look like something's not right. But, Some, but well, see, I, no, we knew I, that. Yeah. I think we knew that. It's different than that. Did you know that the election was tied to the bigger table scandal? And not necessarily, but the number, I figured the number, that number was going to come into place at some point. I'm just, I was unsure yeah. where. Yeah. No. Yeah, I didn't link the two together at all. Like when they kept saying the number, I, I, I like Sophia. I kept thinking, okay, you lost by that number. At least you, it was only that number, which means a lot of people wanted you right. there. Get over it. Now you have to deal with the consequences of you murdering that guy. I didn't put two, two and two together to say. Oh, well, I, I sort of kind of I did because I'm thinking about it. Because you remember the governor kept kept blaming Olivia for it. True, but the number, uh, when they kept mentioning it, it was once they finally got to one of the final scenes and he was saying how he was going to commit suicide and all this stuff. Then I was like, okay, he's just really bitter about this, about losing the election. He's just like really bitter. I was not expecting it to be tied to the fact that they rigged the whole freaking election so he could win. Mm -hmm. Right, because especially given the fact that unless he knows something that she doesn't realize he knows, he was basically just saying you as his campaign manager lost the election. Not that like you physically took those votes, but I'm going to double talk on myself. Bam, you're correct, because as we know, the main scandal always relates to Olivia, yeah. and I think that that's, it's, it's always telling an underlying story, even in the same point of, like, what are you willing to do? Because that, to me, is where I'm actually surprised. And like, Olivia- if it's the fact that they rigged the election, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Like, they- uh, real talk. Yeah. Like, I, for me... There's other things that Olivia has done that the ends justifies the means. I'm, I'm, and I mean it maybe in light of and, where we are as a country on an election week. But and to play devil's advocate, jumping ahead, they if they did rig the election, 
did Olivia know about it or did they bring her in to fix mm. it? Like to kind of cover it yeah, up or a, to hush that's it. That's a great because that, just because they just very because she's sitting points. at the table doesn't mean she has something to no, no, do. No, 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 no. She's right. She's right. And we're gonna have to watch it again. We're gonna have to watch it again because there was a point when Hollis said something, and they go, "No, we need to fix what you messed up because you went rogue." Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? So that means that there was a plan in place. <clears throat> something happened. He went rogue, and I don't know if rogue means means he, the ex, the explosion. Or rogue right. that he used the software so, too. Exactly. Oh we don't know where. Because I initially, when I heard it, assumed, oh, it's the explosion, right? Because obviously someone must have made, connected the dots, and he was like, I need to get rid of all of them. Or is it something else? But I, I agree with you. There's there's something there. Because, again, he, his, like, his attitude is a little bit too much. Because, again, I think just piggybacking even on what Bam said, what did Olivia get out of this? They all have clearly defined roles. Chief of Staff, First Lady, Supreme Court Justice. Technically, but she was a fixer before. She may not have been to the caliber, because it's like, technically, the two years that she was at the White House, did that really define her, or did that actually take her off the map? That actually took her off the map, because then when she was here in the White House, she can't fix any other thing. Right. And, you know, also, and side note, when the governor kept blaming Olivia Ford, Olivia never really responded. Boom. Because I, I'm sticking with what I'm saying. Olivia, because she's a fixer and everybody at that table knows she's a fixer, they're not going to bring her in to be involved in the scandal. They're going to bring her in when they need to fix the problem that they created. And that because, what's his name, the oil man? He has an interest in making money. He is a businessman, and he is about his own personal gain. How so far? when he said they said he went rogue, he probably and yeah, and he went and rogue. this and this is this is partly I heard it today, but um, a lot of people were talking about this on YouTube. Yo, he calls her Livy. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't call her Olivia, and I'm not sure if it's where he's from, and that's just his southern sl- like he calls her Livy. Everybody calls her Olivia, with the exception of Fitz. And every once in a while, Melly. But even that is still an intimate relationship. I'm just wondering how far back this goes. Because when Olivia was brought into the game, they were still, like, in the early stages. Right. And, I mean, but think that makes sense. So, she was brought in to help them... Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe maybe it's like this. And I'm just comparing it to, you know, election... Looking on the outside in from the election. She was brought in to help him win the election. Right. When he said, when they said he went rogue, when it came down to the wire, the oil guy, what's his name? Hollis. Hollis, Hollis probably was thinking, he's not going to win this. Let me insert this software so I can guarantee that he wins this particular county because I'm not feeling positive about it. And it, when they found out he did it. She had to fix it. That means when they found out, somebody else was bound to find out because he probably thought, I'm just going to, it's my software, it's my company. I can cover this up. Olivia, can you come in here and fix it? There, this, we never know. We'll find out what next is, year. What's so great about this show is there are so many different theories, mm-hmm. and you just never really know. Like, we were we really expecting this for this particular episode that uh, that uh, a murder, but um, that occurred with the governor and his wife was gonna that all of this was gonna happen. This is just really amazing about uh, this particular show because you never know what is gonna happen, and. Do we want to go into Harris or Quinn or anything really quick? Not we didn't really, really we did get on Dave and Abby, though. We we talked about it a little right. bit, but... 
And, and, and I mean, thing. I think that's a great wrap up. And Abby, for me, Abby, I said this before. Abby oh, yeah, yeah. needs to know her position. And Abby forgot who she works for. You work for Olivia Pope. You said so yourself. Everybody in that office is saying she did stuff for us and we don't even know what she did for us, which means she has tabs on you that you don't even know about. So for Abby to just be going off and doing her own thing, I get that she's, you know, that she's on the fence and she doesn't know which side to play. Olivia keeps secrets and, and David is trying to find something out that she wants to know about. But Abby forgot I work for Olivia Pope. So if she, if I'm telling you, she's telling me. She's, she's not, telling all of us. She's not thinking because her head is clouded. Yep. She feels betrayed by Olivia. And so because she feels betrayed and she doesn't know answers, she kind of has this, she kind of has this, you know, when I say so what who cares? She kind of has this so what who cares attitude about everything because she feels betrayed by Olivia. I don't think and her. Then in, and, and then in addition to that, oh, hold on a minute. In addition to her feeling how she feels. Then she just so happens to find a boyfriend, and as uh, Harrison said, you've been getting laid. Her mind, she's so clouded right now. <laughs> I don't she's- think her head is clouded. Yes, we can say that, you know, her getting a boyfriend, all that stuff is clouded. Her I don't think it's clouded. Remember, Abby's main goal is to get the truth. So her head isn't clouded. She's clearly focused on exactly what she wants. That's why I don't think, like what you said, she's not on one side with David or one side with Olivia. This little line right here is the truth, and she is right there trying to get to it. And it doesn't matter who gets to it first. So she finds out some information that maybe David could help her get to the truth. So she goes back to David. But I don't think she's on anybody's side except Abby's. Okay, and again, I agree. to get to the truth, the person you works for knows more truth than she knows. That's yeah. what I mean when I say when I say clouded. Yes, I do think that Abby wants to get to the truth. I'm just saying that she's a little clouded because she's forget she's forgetting who she's dealing with. That's why I think that her mind is clouded. I agree with you, but this is where it gets even more complicated. Technically, David is a friend. Mm-hmm. And David is part of not necessarily the inner inner circle, but at least the next layer. Because Liv has gone to him on several occasions. So she thinks that beyond the small sphere, which she thinks that they're all kind of drones and she can't talk to that's her next safe zone and I think that it's beyond simply him being her boyfriend or whatever he is I think she really feels that not only is that a safe zone let's look at the hat he wears and even Olivia said it like he wears the white hat and at the end of the day his actions have always been honorable like there were times when even with Quinn like he was giving Olivia an out and even think about it When he was investigating her, he backed off. He was the one who goes, you know what? No, I'm going to stop myself because I know that regardless of what Olivia Pope did, she only did it for good because she wears the ultimate white hat, right? Mm -hmm. So technically, he is in essence as honorable as Olivia, right? And I'm just playing this for devil's advocate Mm -hmm. because Abby is out of line. (laughs) But... Basically, Abby is like, I'm not getting answers from Olivia, number one. Number two, Olivia presumably is off her game. We cannot negate how huge of an impact this fit situation is possibly having on her judgment. So she basically is like, who do I potentially have to go to? It's David, because arguably, other than Cyrus, Cyrus is Olivia's equal on the side of bad, David is potentially Olivia's equal on the side of good. That is so true because, again, I thought it was a good moment when um, Olivia and Cyrus, you know, Cyrus had a moment that he obviously couldn't talk about and he had to be strong and do. But, you know, everyone, no matter how strong you are, everyone has their little weak moment where if they go to the and to the bathroom and they have it to themselves. He had his weak moment. He knocked on Olivia's door. He was like, I need a glass of wine. 
And they did what friends um, uh, friends do. She starts going in about uh, about what happened with uh, mm-hmm. the governor. He's talking about his relationship, and so that was it. Was almost like their makeup moment because it, they I haven't. Think it was. It, they hadn't really. Um, they hadn't really been close. So that was kind of like their makeup moment. And I think it's not a coincidence that all this happened when Fitz Please wasn't say. there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You you saw different roles and different shifts and different interactions because even though all roads lead to Fitz, mm-hmm. again, I think it's endemic of the fact that at the table, Fitz as far not. as we know, Fitz was not at the table. And what's amazing about this whole episode about the whole all roads lead to Fitz is that all this is going on and he was not in the episode. Yeah. At all. At all. Yeah. So, kudos to the writers. I'm I, I'm I'm so excited to yeah. rewatch the episode, especially after some of the stuff we just talked about. I'm, I cannot wait to rewatch the episode. Uh, okay, let's go to some news and gossip. <laughs> after Buzz TV News. Um. So I want to start with today. We did our Halloween episode the last time you saw us, and we took a picture after. Uh, Sophia was Melly, Bam was Huck, Cornelia was um Abby, and I was Harrison. We tweeted a pic to um, a lot of you Scandal fans, Gladiators, and then we also tweeted a pic to pretty much all of the cast and Shonda Rhimes. So I just want to say who retweeted our picture. We got uh, Joshua Molina, who plays David, Columbus Short, who plays Harrison, um, Katie Lowe's, who plays um, Quinn, Guillermo Diaz, who plays Huck, Darby Stansfield, who plays Abby, and... We got Shonda Rhimes. They all retweeted Yay. our tweet. And I thought that was uh, very exciting. That's I mean, cool. it was pretty pretty exciting um, that they, they saw that picture. And they, they all really loved it because we're passionate. And we were just showing how much we loved um, how much we loved that. I didn't dress as anybody else for Halloween. That was my, that was, that was my Halloween too. costume. And so. just for the record, we didn't dress as Olivia Pope because there's only one Olivia Pope. And her name is Kerry Washington. Yes. Just to make that clear. I also took an additional picture. And I, um, I took a picture of myself as Huck along with... Huck when he was in that character mm-hmm. and so I, I put a I, I put a collage <laughs> of it and then I tweeted it to him and then he actually responded back to me I was like ah. <laughs> and then he follow you on Twitter and now? now he follows me on Twitter boom so <laughs> uh, what other news and gossip do we have and so during the during the course of um, when we weren't here it was announced that Scandal season two has been ordered for a full episode, uh, full season, twenty-two episodes. So there is no, Yay! there is no worry about whether if we're going to do thirteen seasons or not. We will be here for twenty-two, se- uh, for twenty-two, twenty-two episodes. But I mean, yeah. So we'll be here for, uh, uh, we'll be here for a full twenty-two episodes, and so we'll be here till May. But keep watching live because we want a season three. And really, though, guys, it's it's really you. Like you guys are not only watching the show, you are talking about the show. You are on blogospheres, Twitter, iTunes, YouTube, everything. And because you use your remotes as your swords, they had no choice but to give you more scandal. So literally, gladiators, great job. You know, more scandal, more us getting to talk about scandal. <laughs> My best two hours of my entire week. Seriously. So really, really great job. Great job to cast, crew, writers, everyone. Bravo. Great job. Want to shout out? Yeah, we actually have shout outs for today. I'm not sure if we have a screenshot or not. Um, we have a new engineer, and I'm not sure if we actually it could have been our bad. We may not have um, forwarded Martin uh, the the screenshot of our shout outs. But shout outs for today. We're going to start off with iTunes. 
And we have Miss Juan 1492, Christy Dom, Dietrice Moi, Jean Jones, Miss B. Gray. For Twitter, we have Nancy 8053026. We have Kimmy Cat 00. We have Dark Knight 86, Seagal underscore Adar. D E D D E H K, also known as DD. We have Scandal underscore Olitz, Amanda Nazar, Mickey Lar. Beautiful black woman. Oh, that's a great Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> I have to say that again. Be, yeah, be beautiful black woman. I'm going to say it wrong. Anyways, um, we have SB underscore that's me 89, Alphabet, Alphabeta 87, Dolphine, Scandal Fanatic. And for YouTube, we have A Clemens 92, E M C G E E O 8, Frank Gibson, Fun Girl 01234567, Great One 007, Hell's Only Bell, <laughs> Honey Love 32690, I am Bozzy, um, insert the headphones, I R E K Z Y, Life is Short 214, Mandy Lee, Mimi S, Olive Dance Kitty. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's me with my Olive, Olitz fantasy. It's Olive Dance Kitty. Um, One Sad Chick. This one is a hard one. S-H-1-M-M-Y-S-H-1-M-M-Y-C-0-C-0-P-U-F. You guys are too creative. Um, Spark, Spark, AP Cider, Summer Beauty, Sunshine Lizzie 1, Tammy Frazier, Teacher Terrell, Theo Berry B, T-Y-A-N-I-T, uh, when Diva, and this is a weird one. I love weird. I'm weird too. <laughs> X-X-F-I-I-F-I-I-X-X. And also, thank you just to the people. Um, our Twitters have been going off crazy. People respond to things that we say yeah. during the show. And we have tons of Twitters uh, uh, messages saying that they agree or disagree with some of the things yeah. that we're saying actually doing the live show. So, And we will respond to you afterwards. Yeah. yeah. As well as the fact that if you've noticed so much of what you say is what we bring to the show. We are are on iTunes and YouTube and Twitter all week talking to you guys, and that, first of all, brings things to our attention. I didn't catch the Livy (laughs) comment with Hollis until it was brought online. So, so many things. Like, we are definitely, the minute we leave here, we are engaged. So please continue to rate, comment, subscribe on iTunes, tell a friend, because we are definitely listening, and we love you guys, and that's why we, we love to shout you out every week. So keep commenting, keep talking to us, and, and we'll shout you out next week. And right before we go to predictions, the biggest news we can't overlook since it's a political show, President Obama was reelected. So congratulations to uh, President Obama. Um, and let's go to predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Um, where do we want to start? I guess let's just do the whole table. Where, where is this gonna go? Like, <laughs> actually, I'm gonna start. This is, I think, where we go. We have predicted that Abby has to go, right? Yeah. Even if it's temporary. The last scene we saw was obviously that they're they're bugging David because mm-hmm. David is. David is the straw that could break the camel's back, right? So the fact that Liv now knows that basically Abby is the one... David was good. David was like, I'm going to take my job back. I love being a lawyer. I'm good with this whole Olivia conspiracy theory. It's Abby that ran in and was like, no, I'm going to basically tell you the whole thing because she was snooping. 
Do you, How is Liv going to handle that? Do you think that Olivia will now have... Be, or do you think Olivia will be forced to tell Abby what's going on and make Abby now twist David's mind to make him forget all this? Or would that be too easy? I don't think Olivia is going to tell Abby because she hadn't told Abby anything. If she was going to tell her anything, she would have told her about Quinn to shut Quinn. You know, she would have told her little stuff. She could have made stuff up to appease Abby, but she didn't. I don't think... Olivia is going to tell Abby because I don't really think so either. But I don't it just think she's my going mind. to. But like like we said a couple weeks ago, she has to now. She has to put Abby out. She has to do something to shut her down completely. And it can't just be fire Abby or tell her to kick rocks because then she's going to do what David did and have this whole wall full of you know pictures and she's <laughs> going to go deeper into the scandal. But she has Olivia is now now that she knows that Abby is not about her. She's about her own interests. She has to do something. Mm-hmm. I actually think though, Bam. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but that is a strategic fix. Telling her everything that happened. Not everything. Not everything. Not everything. Olivia but you, you, everything. you have to, you have to manipulate her back on your side. You, it, you said it. She, they, let's play the scenario real quick. She can't fire her because she'll become a David, mm-hmm. and she's already been nipping, nipping, nipping at the bud. She's waiting, right? So she either can't fire her, even though I think that's still going to happen temporarily. Mm-hmm. She can't kill her. I mean, hug. Do you know what I mean? And this is where it gets complicated. Or do you bring her back on your side? How do you bring her back on your side now that you've already sparked David? But does she want to bring... Because Olivia in the last episode said, I'm requiring I, you to stop it. Now, is it about bringing her back on her side? Or is it that Abby is shady towards me? Is Olivia taking this personal? Mm. Because she I think said, she should. She said she told her to stop, and now she's not. She knows she's not stopping, and she's messing with David. So it's like, kind of like a stab in the back, a little bit. Yeah. So you know, is Olivia gonna keep it business, or is she gonna take it personal? Something that I'm very interested in finding out is with this whole James thing, because now that James is back in the White House. His role, he's he's going to have a more pivotal, pivotal role now. So I'm really curious what's going to happen with, with him now that he's a journalist. You know, is he and Melly going to, are they going to cohort or something's going to happen between them? There's so much. I think it's, I, I think it's getting revisited. Yeah. And, and like we said, he's going to be looking for that top story to put him yeah, back on the market. Yeah. And then I'm also wondering with Harrison and Quinn, their stories are taken aback. You know, they, there's not much going on with them right but now. Quinn, Quinn had had an integral part for right. a long time, right. so I think yeah. that her most important part is that she's she's back in the fold, yeah, I, and she's actually interacting, and I think she's actually evolving and stepping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harrison, on the other Her- hand, something he's due for a scandal, or he's due for something to happen. The question is, now that Abby knows what she knows. Is she going to loop Harrison in and change his point of view about Olivia? Very good point. Because last episode he was like, "I'm basically I'm ride or die for Olivia," and I think he's always ride or die for yeah. Olivia. However, I think he's a litigator and he's smart and he's a mm. strategist. That may be the pin to bring Abby back mm. in line. But you know what? Also, is very interesting is although Harrison is he, we don't really see him much, but Harrison uh, sees everything. He Completely. sees what's going on with Huck, and then he's the only one that has caught that Abby is the one who is um, getting laid. So do you think Harrison is going to figure out or do you think he's going to uh, find out that Abby is involved with David? Let us know what you think. we got to continue the conversation online, guys. But as always, it was a pleasure. Where can we find you guys? You can find me on Twitter at Sophia Stanley, F for Fanatic, <laughs> at Cornelia. And at Bam Erickson. 
and at Emilio E. Jr. and ChasingLA.com. It was such a pleasure, and we can't wait to continue the conversation on YouTube, iTunes, and Twitter starting tonight, probably. <laughs> uh, we will see you guys later, we Gladiators. We did Bye. miss you. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 